Hello there, I'm Elitza Nikova and welcome to Staykeepers podcast. Staykeepers is a prop tech platform that creates value for residential and commercial institutional owners. So thank you for tuning into our one-stop shop for all things real estate, built to rent and the latest innovation in the property technology world. For more information about Staykeepers, please check our website at staykeepers.com or simply follow us on Twitter at Staykeepers. Our guest today is Ben Ed Harrington, Sales Director at Loft. He has joined me today to bring you along Loft's customer journey, to reveal some prop tech ideas Loft are considering and offer us a great insight into the BTR and PBSA scene. Without further ado, let me introduce you to him. Hello Ben, thank you for joining Staykeepers podcast. Thanks Ellie, pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to talking to you today. As a Sales Director for Loft, You oversee the transition from project development to on-site delivery, as well as Loft 3 dedicated brands, Loft Interiors, Loft Student and Loft Build to Rent. Loft has been providing bespoke furnishing solutions for the property sector for the last 16 years and have continuously been establishing unique identities through your services, starting from concept and design, through procurement, warehousing and delivery, to installation, aftercare and maintenance. And amidst all this, where do you place the customer in your services? Is Loft a customer-focused business? That's a great starting question. Of course, the customer is paramount at Loft and is our absolute priority. So starting with a question around the customer is, uh, is ideal. Our whole service is based around flexibility and transparency for our customers and internally our team as well it would be counterproductive for us to say anything otherwise than the customer is first and most service-based businesses are customer focused however loft we like to put a unique spin on most things and particularly on the term customer focused and i think if you asked internally at loft we would use the term people focused our clients in terms of developers operators Uh, property management companies ultimately aim their own products at residents or people, you could say, of all demographics across all locations. So the key factor is always people, the people that live in the buildings, make the buildings and make the communities. And uh, people respond well to quality and design, which, as you touched on, is is two of the things that we, we pride ourselves on at Loft. So what we try to do is we we focus on having our very own community within within Loft of the very best people that are available to us on the market. That's particularly prevalent in our design team, which you've touched on. There are 10 individual characters in there who all fuel high-level creativity, which ultimately deliver the best opportunities and developments for our clients. What we try to do is we try to match our team to the brief in order to give the best customer experience. And then to flip that on its head, our operational side of the business, perhaps you could say the less glamorous side of the business than away from design and and sales, but no less important to us is our operations team. It's all structured around customer flexibility and customer visibility. We have our own fleet of vehicles our own installation teams, which mean that when our customer has a particular requirement or a particular need, we can flex and we can move as a business to suit what best suits our customers. So 
you know, in, in summary, 100%, we're a customer-focused business. If we look at the customer journey, and in particular in the home furnishing industry, I think it's very important for retailers to offer an experience that makes it easy for customers to find what they want and when they want it. Do you think that technology can help create such a seamless customer journey? Absolutely, Ellie. Loft are currently investing in in two particular projects which will bring technology to the forefront of our offering. The first of those projects is an improved state-of-the-art ERP system or enterprise resource planning system to ensure that our customers are managed from their first contact all the way through to aftercare on a single system, giving improved visibility for internal and external stakeholders at every stage of a partnership with Loft. Our second project is improving our digital presence and allowing our repeat customers and our you know, everyday customers, replenishment customers, to have access to a new website, which includes a trade portal for them to have an easy, seamless customer journey with Loft. Our team will then be able to seamlessly communicate with the customer at each stage have all the information at their fingertips on current stock holding, shipping dates, up-to-date costs. Again, going back to improved customer communication and visibility. It's absolutely a priority for Loft and it should be a priority within the industry that we integrate technology into home furnishing and, and residential furnishing solutions. Ben, it's great to hear about Loft's innovative approach towards utilizing technology. I suppose it is vital for companies to carefully evaluate new technologies in order to determine if they will be able to be integrated with the existing systems. And I think this doesn't only mean activating this new piece of technology, but also integrating it into the business, uh, training staff how to use it, and of course thinking about the revenue generation. With all these things considered, Can you name some other important aspects or even priorities which property industry professionals seem to overlook or not pay enough attention to? I think I would say design and procurement schedules. I think that the two go hand in hand. And when when I say design, I mean space planning, concept creation and ahead of trend procurement on furniture. We're lucky at Loft. Most of our current customers engage with us for the very reasons I've mentioned before, because we already act proactively with the, with those issues. Our procurement team and designer are constantly looking forward with, with trend forecasting and market assessments of what product is in the marketplace right now in terms of home furnishings and, and ensuring that before it becomes overdone, or an idea is too um, saturated in the market in terms of a look and a feel and a concept, that our new product lines are launched and, and offered to developers. At this stage, it's crucial that the developers are engaged with furnishing suppliers early so that they can benefit from that in a marketplace which thankfully is becoming ever more populated in terms of build to rent, PBSA, co-living is maturing and it's set to continue to to flourish looking appealing in your development and the furnishing of your development versus the development two years prior which is the building next to your own is is critical and that's why choosing to engage with a, a company like loft ourselves specifically 
guarantees access to to not just core ranges of stock that are available you know nationwide next day but you actually engage with a dedicated designer and procurement team who have access to thousands of suppliers worldwide to ensure that we meet the client's brief and the concepts with design and then ultimately the product ends up being better for the client and their residents further down the line and it sets itself apart from the competition within the build-to-rent or PBSA market. I think we can both agree that consumers will always need home furnishing professionals to decorate and furnish their homes, but what about property developers? I mean, you mentioned that it's crucial for them to engage with furnishing suppliers early, but how early is early? As early as possible would be my summary statement. We found that the most successful projects in both PBSA and, and build to rent to be those where loft are involved at concept stage, or at very least when the building begins construction phase. As I mentioned before, design is critical, and in order to stay ahead of the competition, this should be a paramount consideration. And given time and early consideration for design, design can be cost effective. The later the furniture procurement considerations are taken, the harder it is to achieve something unique, but also cost effective. And therefore, the harder it is for a developer to set their property apart from the rest of the market. So I would say in, in, in answer directly to that question, that the, the earlier design and furnishing solution is, is engaged, the better for, for all parties and all concerned. Loft has three dedicated brands catering for niche markets, Loft Interiors, Loft Student and Loft Built to Rent. Does that mean that a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't do the home furnishing industry justice? So to give a little bit more detail, the Loft brands are consolidated under one roof of, of Loft, but they're separated to reflect the vast experience in each. So the student and build to rent brands are dedicated to development projects. They're all ultimately fueled by the loft design team, but they show our expertise in the nuances in furnishing new build projects that are driven by time and cost constraints as well as design. The product offering is different too from build to rent to student. Um, PBSA is maturing in its product selection and design in terms of furnishings. However, there's still numerous additional considerations in respect of durability, performance and cost. Whereas Loft Build to Rent, we've positioned this brand to lead with design and procurement. As we've touched on already, creativity and aspirational points of difference from development to development are critical. And Loft BTR is focused on catering for that market. And Loft Interiors is the lifeblood of our business. It's the founding roots of the business. And, and quite simply, it's a replenishment furnishing solution available on a next day basis nationwide. So it differs very much from the project-based, development-based student and build-to-rent brands. It operates from our Manchester and London locations servicing property agents, management companies, landlords, who can then rely on loft to ensure that their properties can be refreshed and replenished swiftly with anything from a 
mattress to a full furniture pack with accessories, helping to negate void periods, maximize yields through having a furnished modern apartment. The ideal customer journey is a customer joins loft in the development phase and is then cyclical in recurring business as they then join loft interiors for the replenishment solution further on down the line as the furniture reaches its natural um, life cycle. So yeah, that's a that's a brief summary of our three brands. The one thing that I would say is that they're all fueled by our design department and our procurement team sourcing the newest, the most aesthetically pleasing yet performing products that then furnish those three brands with the assets and collateral to go out into the markets that they specialise in. Ben, speaking of design, what do you think would be the new normal for home design? And can you name some of the post-pandemic trends that COVID-19 has brought? Bearing in mind that the way we use our space at home and the way we feel about our homes has changed drastically. I would say that the requirement for home office space um, and the inquiry from our client partners has, has gone through the roof in terms of designing into traditional one, two, three bed apartment type living, the flexible capability to have office space within there. We've seen with partnerships with some of our key clients where we're in the early phase of concept development that the two and three bedroom properties need a mixed use space in their second or third bedroom to be able to cater for home working. But what I would also say is that in many build to rent and PBSA developments, the design of the amenity spaces has changed as well. Flexibility has become, become the word of choice and moving away from fixed and solid solutions for these spaces. Flexible seating and study areas are, are, are more popular to allow flexible, movable design. But it, in truth, we don't really know and the industry doesn't yet know how these spaces can and will be utilised in light of what we've seen in 2020. I would say that anything is possible for these spaces. However, flexibility seems to be the, the, the word of choice. Despite the difficulties that COVID-19 has brought to the property market, the built-to-rent sector seems to be quite resilient as the investments continue to pour in. According to data from the British Property Federation, between the second quarter of 2019 and the second quarter of 2020, the number of BTR homes completed increased 37%, whilst the number in planning also rose 27%. This rapid expansion reflects evolving consumer demands and quality standards, which the market is now recognising. But do you think that the property developers can meet these demands? Absolutely. I, I believe that the proof is, is already there. The latest figures that, that I've seen from the, the British Property Federation is that there is currently 160,000 units of build-to-rent property that under construction or with planning submitted. Notably, the regions have overtaken London in terms of the number of build-to-rent homes with circa 80,000 built to rent homes outside of London, while 70,000 within the London area. I think this shows the appetite for build to rent as a, as a nationwide building model. Even in a fiscal downturn, 
tenancy versus home ownership becomes increasingly viable. And with the rising specification of the developments currently in planning, our development partners, old and new, hopefully, are clearly taking note of what's required to be a leading development in any given area. Take, for instance, Manchester, Lofts, Home City. We have now developments with rooftop five-a-side football pitches, communal gyms and spa areas shared between four tower blocks that are akin to a five-star hotel. And we have 30th floor gyms with views of an entire city. And I think those sorts of assets within the developments are what is going to continue to drive residents to them and going to continue to encourage developers to, to build build-to-rent assets. Speaking of demands, UK universities are seeing a growth in the application numbers from both home and overseas students. Naturally, more students will increase the demand for accommodation. And in June, data published by UCAS, the UK University Admission Service, showed a new record in the number of students applying for a university place for the upcoming academic year. Do you think that PBSA, like the Bill to Rent, will prove as a resilient sector for investors? Absolutely. I think the sentiment for a UK university education, both from home and abroad, and the experience of a UK university education that goes alongside it remains. And this can only be good for investors. Prior to COVID-19, there was already a shortage of PBSA um, sufficient to house the current number of students in the UK. At the last time of looking, I think there was in the region of 700,000 PBSA beds in the UK with a projected figure of 1.8 million students in the UK. So there's already insufficient housing for students there. And um, that should act as encouragement to investors. There's a need, there's a demand. So, and again, I touched on it earlier in terms of the increasing specification of PBSA developments as well. Gyms, cinema rooms, they all remain popular. It remains to be seen how COVID-19 will affect the build pipeline long term in terms of will the students who take up places in PBSA demand more space? Is the theory around having a communal kitchen a thing of the past? Or will we see a big push to segregated studio living or perhaps a total contrary with blended learning 95% of universities in the coming academic year are offering a blended learning course which is part in person part digital will there be a greater requirement for communal study spaces or study spaces within the amenities of these buildings ultimately those considerations about the build cost development costs will affect the investors. But when the supply is outweighed by the demand, as we've already touched on, I, I, can't, I, can't, see, I can't see the PBSA sector failing. Yes, Ben, and I agree that a new surge in student numbers will likely further increase the demand for PBSA, once again underlining its strength and ability to deliver long-term growth for property investors. How do you think developers, though, can aid the graduate retention in university towns? And do you think they can come up with a housing solution targeted towards postgraduates and young professionals? I think, Ellie, we, we already have the solution in front of us. I think build to rent 
and when co-living begins to reach maturity in the market, there's clear synergies between PBSA and the growth of the build-to-rent market, and investors are recognising the opportunities afforded by both. Manchester, London, Edinburgh are the top three cities in terms of university retention rates uh, post-graduation, and it's no surprise that those those three cities are at the forefront of the build-to-rent boom. I think the model of all-in rental costs that you receive when you enter into a build-to-rent development is is ingrained in you if you've if you've lived in a PBSA development. As we touched on earlier, the amenities within PBSA and the services that are provided for you are all within your 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 build cost. And I think that's becoming ingrained in the next generation that actually a, a fixed cost where I get the use of my swimming pool and my gym and I have the flexibility on in terms of tenancy. I think build to rent is the solution to improving university towns student retention rate post-graduation. I also think the, the the standard of accommodation versus traditional PRS, perhaps HMO type living, is is such that it's it's such an attractive place for the tenants that they're you know naturally going to gravitate towards the build-to-rent co-living model as opposed to the traditional PRS sector. And what a positive end to our episode today. I'm glad to hear you think the solution is already there, Ben. And thank you very much for being with us today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Ellie. It was a a pleasure to be involved. Well, ladies and gents, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast and let us know what you think in the comment section below. Stay Keepers wishes you all a great week ahead. Be safe and remain positive. The best is yet to come.